It's Thursday, May 14th, and we happen to be studying the 14th verse of the second chapter of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Let's take a look at it here in context on the screen. Uh, it says, as you remember, the comparison to animals, and again, this is all about the false teachers, creatures of instinct. They're not uh, governed in their behavior as they ought to be. They are making light of things that are very important and powerful, angelic beings, demonic beings. Uh, and actually, the Bible says here they don't quite understand what they're talking about. And they will be destroyed, which has been the theme throughout this, that God is going to judge the false teachers and can deliver us uh, from the kind of being enticed by them that uh, we can be prone to be. Uh, so it says here in verse 13, you remember they're going to be suffering the wrong of the wages for their wrongdoing. They counted a pleasure to revel in the daytime, their blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. And then speaking of their interaction with the church, verse 14, here's our passage for today. It says, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. That's the recurring theme as well. Accursed children, interesting phrase. We'll take a look at that. So let's take a look at this passage, beginning with this first phrase. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. Literally, the phrase, they have eyes full of the adulteress. Um, the adulteress is the one that uh, is enticing, that they are looking to. They can't keep their eyes or their minds off of it. This is a, obviously not just a metaphorical, but a, even a literal description of the false teachers who we've already learned are about themselves. They're greedy. They're focused on their own pleasure. They're focused on their own uh, self-aggrandizement and self-promotion. And uh, that, by the way, as it says in our passage here in 1 John chapter 2, is what the world is all about. And that's what we need to understand. The world's always going to feed about the baser, uh, selfish, self-promoting aspects of life. So remember this passage. It's good. It's a good outline of the problems that we face in this world. And we as Christians are called to not love the world or the things in the world. Of course, we're talking about the particular things he's going to itemize for us. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you got to make a decision here, and the false teachers have made a decision. For all that is in the world, now he lists them. here. First of all, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we've got three things here, and they have to do with the things that make us feel good, whatever feels good, the desire of the flesh, the kinds of pleasures that you could uh, avail yourself to just to make yourself feel good, regardless of what God's rules or what God's law says or what is best for you. And secondly here, the desires of the eyes. We just want things that are beautiful. We want things around us that we can indulge in terms of visually. That's what we can desire, and the world is full of those things. And the self-promotion, the pride of life. I want people to recognize me as important. And there are people that are just focused on that. They just want the pleasure, they want the beauty, and they want someone to, frankly, to worship them, want them to be, they want people to put them up on a pedestal. And those are the three things the Bible says when it comes to uh, our understanding of God. They're not coming from the Father, uh, but they're of the world. That's what the world is full of. But the world is passing away along with these three desires, which are summation of all the sub-desires that can tempt and entice us. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we've got God's will and we've got these baser things that the world is constantly throwing at everyone in the world. 
And so we know as Christians, as opposed to the false teachers, Peter said in his first epistle, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, because the world's going to be full of these kinds of things. He says, you need to work to abstain from them, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Here is the reality of the Christian life, as long as you're living in the world in a fallen body. The flesh here has got all kinds of desires. I just want pleasure. I just want beauty. And I just want self-promotion. I want people to recognize how important I am. Those are the three things, the categorical things in 1 John. And it's a reminder that this is what the world is full of. So you can't relax. You're a sojourner. You're an exile. You're an expat here on earth. Your citizenship is in heaven. So you've got to abstain from these things and know that you're in a war. And the war is against your soul. So we've got to have a counterattack here to put to death whatever is earthly in you. And there's plenty, right? Plenty of things. And he lists the things that are going to tempt us. Sexual immorality, impurity, all kinds of passions, evil desire. I just want more stuff. Covetousness. All of that is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And he needs to remind us that that is antithetical to everything God is calling us to. And so we need to fight it. These guys are not fighting it. Matter of fact, they can't get enough of it. The false teachers here, they have eyes that are full of that. They just want the, uh, the, the adulteress, the, the person that they can have some kind of illicit relationship with. They want their eyes filled with that. They can't get enough of it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, as it relates to this uh, problem that is so enticing to everyone in this world, and Christians have to fight it, and these folks that are not uh, true children of God, they don't fight. As a matter of fact, the false teachers have given themselves over to it. Look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, They are, non-Christians here, darkened in their understanding. We were also. Alienated from the life of God. We're not, right, any longer. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart very important. This is the thing that they're doing. They're hardening their heart against the will of God. They become callous in that hardness of heart. And they have, this is a very important phrase, given themselves up. They've given themselves up to the things that the false teachers are all about, sensuality and greed, and then all kinds of impurity. So these are the things we see constantly enticing people in the world. And the people in 2 Peter chapter 2 are the false teachers that are enticing people in the church to follow their teaching, their behavior, their prosperity gospel, which is really what it is in the context of what we've already studied in 2 Peter 2. And they've given themselves up, just like the people in uh, Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, in Second uh, Peter chapter 2, just like here in Ephesians 4, it speaks of being given over to this, willfully giving over yourself to it. That's nothing new. Psalm 81 verses 11 through 13. Uh, here are people within the ranks of the covenant people of God doing the same things. They're not listening in Israel to his voice. Israel would not submit to me. It is hard. You're going to have to fight the desires of the flesh, uh, the, the impulses that are constantly uh, fueled and stoked by the enemy, by the tempter. And so God says here, I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. So they've already given themselves up to this. And God said, fine, you're going to follow your own heart. You're going to follow your own counsels. And then he just says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that they would, that Israel would walk in my ways. And he goes on in this text to talk about all the good things that God would do in supporting those whose hearts are devoted to him. But of course, they're not. So this is a reminder of the principle of being turned over. And we often think of this passage in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. We think about being given over. But remember, it all starts with them giving themselves over and hardening their hearts against God's will. And if this was ever true of people within the early church knowing God, it's certainly true, I mean, it's ever true of anyone. It's certainly true of those 
who were the false teachers there that Peter is thinking about. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God, nor give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking, foolish in their, their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here are a lot of the, the false teachers, right? They claim to know God and they do know enough about him to have chosen the right path. But in their setting themselves up as teachers, they end up exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Certainly, Romans 1 is a much broader picture of all of humanity turning themselves over in a certain aspect of the descent into sin in this context. Uh, and this is certainly referring to a kind of idolatry uh, that we don't see, at least per se, in 2 Peter 2. Nevertheless, because of all this, here's the phrase we think of, God gave them up to all the lusts of their hearts. Well, that's happening even within the walls of the church, 2 Peter says, when people with Bibles in their hands, so to speak, are out there preaching this message about self-indulgence and getting whatever you want from God and using theology and Bible and Christianity and uh, all these uh, claims to godliness, their definition of godliness, as a means for them to get what they want, and they try and entice you to get you to believe that so that you can get, at least in their own uh, promises, which are futile for you to get whatever you want from God, which doesn't ever work out well. Um, anyway, and it works out longer, I suppose, for the false teachers. Anyway, giving themselves up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, dishonoring their bodies among them because they exchanged the truth about God. And if anyone was exposed to that, it was those within the church who knew the truth and they exchanged it all for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So they have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin. And what do they do? They entice unsteady souls, which I hope you and I would say, I want to make sure I'm not a victim of these false teachers that are all about uh, self-promotion and self-satisfaction and doing whatever they want. Uh, they, we don't want to be these unsteady souls. And here's your resource. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, God has equipped the church, the early church, with the apostles and prophets, and then the ongoing church with those church planners or evangelists and shepherds and teachers here to do what? To equip us, to teach us. You pick those good shepherds to put yourself under, and then you let them equip you for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith. You just stick with the teaching of those good, solid, faithful shepherds and teachers, and you will attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's what I'm getting to here in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, so easily deceived, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. And there's a lot of wind of doctrine blowing, particularly in COVID-19 days. Everyone's got this idea, and here's what God thinks you should think, and here's what you ought to believe. All of that, the Bible reminds us, is of human cunning when they take you off of center from thinking and responding to the truth the way that the Bible clearly says we ought to. And they're doing it by craftiness in deceitful schemings, and that's what the false teachers are all about. Uh, next line here, they have hearts trained in greed. That is the problem from the beginning in the context. We're afraid they might ex ex exploit us. We want to be steady souls, not unsteady souls. And we know greed is a motivating factor here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. And Romans chapter 16, look at the context here, verses 17 and 18. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, which, by the way, false teaching always does, will separate you from true teachers and from truth. 
and right exposition. They create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. They're going to show you something new, new way to look at everything, and the Bible says avoid them. For such persons don't serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but again, I'm just trying to connect this to the idea of greed. They're really serving their own appetites, right? We've seen that this is what they want. They want to get from you and exploit you to be able to promote their doctrine, which promotes them, they get what they want, they're all about themselves, they're all about more beauty, more pleasure, more self-promotion, and by their smooth talk and their good teachers, right, and their flattery, they make you feel good, they deceive the hearts of the naive, and that's the unsteady soul that we don't want to be. We just need to remember they're driven by their greed. So, they're accursed children. That's a strange phrase, literally children of the curse. And a curse, of course, is God's judgment. And the reminder in our passage is they are going to be punished. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 14, they're accursed children, they're children of the curse. That's a Hebraic phrase that reminds us that they are destined for judgment. Uh, look at this word used, same word here over in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it says, Cursed, quoting the Old Testament here, be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to do them. Of course, that's why we need the grace of God. Even in the Old Testament, they understood that. They need God to be forgiving and merciful. And the mechanism of that mercy and forgiveness for our cleansing is Christ's death on a cross. And the reminder in our passage here is that if you do not have that forgiveness, you are under a curse. And these folks are children of the curse in the sense that they are going to be judged. They will reach the place of being uh judged under the judgment of God, uh, damned, as we say. That's why uh, the, the point here in this passage, just like you might say in the vernacular of people's you know, uh, colorful language, uh, and there's some accuracy in this, it's not that Peter is damning them, like the old phrase, God damn you. That, that phrase is, is God will damn you. That's the picture of someone uh, recognizing the wrong in the air and the sense that their, their judgment is coming. There's a phrase you haven't heard me say, and neither has anyone else. Anyway, accursed children. That's the picture here. Peter is not cursing them. Peter is saying they are children of the curse. They will be punished, and that judgment is coming. They are under a curse. They will be condemned. They're destined for that, just like those who are outside of the um, trusting in Christ for forgiveness. There is going to be judgment. And the worst thing for these folks is it's a much worse judgment than the judgment of just neglecting the saving work of Christ. It's a judgment that is compounded at the great white throne, as we learned earlier, uh, because of the effect that their false teaching has had. So be sure to subscribe and continue with us as we continue to walk verse by verse through Second Peter. And I hope this is an encouragement in some way for you, at least to find a motivation to find your stability in good Bible teaching, in good clear objective Bible reading and that you get rooted and grounded in the truth. And I hope this whole series is helping you do that. We'll see you back again tomorrow as we continue our study. 